0: If you are a fan of the Dive Bar Rockstar podcast and would like to help support the show, there's a great way that you can do that and start a new fashion trend. We have a new merchandise page on the website which features t-shirts and hoodies that are available for sale on Amazon. Just click on merchandise in the top menu and all of the links will be there or go directly to divebarrockstar.com merchandise. Get started early on your Christmas shopping at divebarrockstar.com. welcome to the dive bar rockstar podcast a show exploring the lives of music professionals of all types touring musicians recording artists songwriters engineers bar bands wedding bands and anyone making their living in the music industry whether you've dreamed of being a music professional or you already are one this is the podcast for you i'm your host eric baines and i hope that you not only find some entertainment here But also some helpful tips, trade secrets, and ideas that will help you achieve your dreams. Well, it's 8.30 in the morning, which is pretty early for this Dive Bar Rockstar, I'm not going to lie. But I wanted to get this episode out before the end of the year. And unfortunately, my neighbor's gardener has decided to uh, make an early start. So you might hear lawn mowing and and leaf blowing in the background. So I apologize about that. But it is Los Angeles and I do live in a big city. So (laughs) there's that. But at any rate, happy holidays, everybody. It's been a totally amazing year for me. I hope it's been for you. And I really appreciate everyone who's been listening to the show and riding this crazy ride with me, and um, and also shout out to all the new listeners who have just discovered the show. I hope you're having a good time. I got some great guests lined up already for next year. I think it's going to be a great year, and I'm gonna try to release more episodes. So uh, keep a lookout for that. And if you join the mailing list, then you'll get an email every time there's a new episode. And I'm I don't usually spam. It's like I just send out the email when the episode comes out, but. Also in the email, I'll do a little description and also like give you some more information and background about the guests and like how I met them usually. So you get a little extra if you're on the mailing list. So you can go to divebarrockstar.com and sign up. And I think 2023 is going to be a big year. i am really got uh, high hopes. I'm going to try to do some stuff from the road and some interesting new formats you know we'll see what happens i've I've always got big dreams but uh, you know limited time but anyway thank you for listening and let's keep it going let's keep uh let's keep the party rocking my guest today is an old friend and a great guitar player uh we've done many gigs together including the history of blues show at the house of blues and the mad tea party show at disney's california adventure but he's also played with Thomasina and Berlin and Mark McGrath and a local group called Fault Lines, who are friends of ours, and uh, uh, really amazing. He's probably the most working guitar player I know, to tell you the truth. He's a, he's a part of the lucrative wedding band scene here in LA, and also plays a ton in what's left of the bar scene. And uh, he's a true dive bar rock star and a heck of a musician, so... Please enjoy my conversation with Todd McCool. So I think the last time I saw you was actually at Nam a couple of years ago. You were playing in the lobby of the Hilton, I think, with John Flanagan and Ashley Morgan in a group called Fault Lines. So uh, are you still doing that? I sort of am. I'm, I'm more like a,
1: uh, a guitar player for hire with that. Oh, and then okay. every now and then, like... Um, uh john will like write a song based around like my guitar ideas so we've had a couple of those um now it's just basically like john and ashley's thing because i i think it came down to like we were doing a lot of stuff where i had to make a choice between paid gigs and doing like hollywood no pay pay pay-to-play gigs and i was like i've been down this road before and i know where it leads and they had not and they Mm. were like we got to do this, and I think like initially, like they kind of like they took offense to it, and I was just like, I, I promise you, it's not like a personal thing. It's just like I've I've done this, like I'm, right, right. I can't. It's it's a waste of our time, but they wanted to do it, you know, and they wanted to pursue all that stuff, and so I just kind of like said, okay, you guys, you do your thing, and like you call me when you need me, you know, and yeah. um, and now, you know, a few years after that whole thing, it's it's basically like. Kind of back to the way we were a long time ago, you yeah. know, but we're only doing, like, paid things. Right.
0: Uh, I, I listened to, like, there's, like, three records up there, or three...
1: Oh, yeah, there's, like, like a few EPs and, like, yeah, random I mean, I'm, single I'm, releases and stuff.
0: I'm, I'm the most fan of the middle one there, the, uh, was it Telephone Philosophies? Oh,
1: yeah. Uh-huh. So the first EP, I think it's called Hearts and Other Things That Break. Right, right. So that one... Also, Great. Was recorded like, um, John had this thing where, I don't, I don't know if he ever told you about this, but he was working under Red One. Do you remember that Mm-mm. guy? No. Huh? So like in uh, Just Dance, the Lady Gaga song, mm-hmm. she's like, Gaga, ga, Red One. Uh, so Red One was got her you. producer. Oh, gotcha. Um, and so I think the story goes, like John was working at the Gap, folding shirts and stuff. Uh, and this guy walks in and they start talking and the guy it turns out to be red one and he's like i think maybe and it sounds more romantic this way is just that (laughs) he was talking to john and like oh you're folding t-shirts and blah blah like what a what a life that is you know right and john's like well you don't really know me like i'm really like the best the best musician you've never heard or so the best (laughs) songwriter you've never heard or something Uh like that and he's like hmm You know, like, I'll see about that. Right. And so he listened to some of John's stuff and he ended up hiring him as like a, an underwriter kind of guy. Oh,
0: wow. So John
1: was, John had a studio over at Jim Henson studios. Mm-hmm. Um, And so that's where, I think that's basically where we recorded that first EP. And it was like, John was engineering, which, you know, it was Got like, you. and I was kind of helping engineer too, but really John did a lot. And he like, literally like learned logic, like you know, inside and out from that. And he like comped all the vocals and everything. Um, And there was one night where someone had left a mandolin in the studio and we were recording the song February. And I was like, I wonder if this would sound like a, if a mandolin would sound cool on it. If you asked me today how a mandolin is tuned i'd be like Ooh. i have no idea <laughs> but i just kind of like picked out some notes Ooh. and then that's how like the mandolin ended up on that song oh, and so it cool. was like that was a lot of like cut and paste <laughs> right, on that, right. but it was kind of fun and magical and just like in a tinkering like you know teenagers in a garage kind of way mm-hmm. um and then we took it to another guy really cool dude guitar player he mastered it um so we it was self-recorded. That guy mastered it. And then, so that came out. And then, so Telephone Philosophies, that was uh, produced by David Kidd. Do you oh, know okay. him? okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jenny Kidd's. I yeah. And so that one is heavily produced. Yeah. You know, and it was right. like a lot of time spent in the studio. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously like David's a freaking genius. Like he's, yeah, he's so awesome and he's so smart and he's so good with vocals, with guitar, like with all the auxiliary stuff. Like he's a... Programmer, sound designer. I mean, like, he does it all. So that's probably why that one was so in the pocket. And then, like, after that is when we kind of like went our separate ways as far as an original project Mm -hmm. went. So then, you know, the other stuff was a couple of other different producers. That's why I think like Telephone Philosophies was like the last, like, fully produced with the three of us. Right. You know, maybe that's why it had that kind of like, yeah, it sounds like it
0: it sounds like a cohesive idea through the whole,
1: yeah and we did like you know we we did the whole deal like we we did the skeleton tracks first and then they recorded the vocals and stuff and then i went in and recorded guitars and like mm. you know it's it was almost a little bit dangerous the way that david and i were working because like You know, He's a guitar player, I'm a guitar player, so we're both geeking out and he's like trying all these different microphone combinations. I mean, it would take us like three days to do one song because we were using like, okay, let's try it with this guitar, with this mic, at this distance and blah, blah, blah. And with these overlays and like, it was just, it was madness. But in the end, I mean, it's like, sonically, it's beautiful. And like, I still get surprised when I listen to it. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. And like, oh, that's so cool the way he panned this and that.
0: Right. And you're singing. You sing on that as well.
1: Yeah, there's one song that I sang lead on. It was uh, called "The Long Run." Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Great. Yeah. Great thank you. Song.
0: Thank you. Great singing.
1: And the funny thing was, like, I wrote that song, and I was like, "Here's a song. I don't know which of you wants to sing it." Ah. You know, and they're like, "You are gonna <laughs> sing it," and I'm like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> like that was totally not my intention. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then we ended up we were that one actually our friend lineo engineered that one our recording engineer or whatever on that particular song he either had a baritone guitar sitting around or he's like hey what would this sound like you know and i picked it up and i i I fell in love you know used the baritone guitar on there and it was just so cool you know and then so i uh i've since bought Button. <laughs> that's alert. Uh, I have a, I have an acoustic baritone, and I have a Dan Electro uh, electric Dan Electro, baritone. Baritone, yeah, that's yeah. really cool. I mean, it's just like, yeah, it's just a whole different world. Because to me, at that point in time, it was like this is like playing another instrument, but not. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to really learn anything new. I just right. have to remember to put a capo on if I'm trying to learn a guitar song. Yeah, on this thing.
0: yeah, mm. that's fun though. It's like gets you out of your, oh yeah, your, your stuff. You know, yeah. I find that like you play a lot you'd start just playing the same stuff absolutely and it's hard to like but you switch it up and then you're like oh new stuff yeah <laughs>
1: totally it and that you was in a new box yeah that was the easy thing and then of course during the pandemic i was like i really kind of took that to an extreme and like started playing like piano which is how the the members only yacht rock album got created was because of right me playing wrong chords on the piano like Right. You know, I play an E here and an A up here. And I was like, well, that sounds kind of cool, you know? And like, I nice. just make an idea. I mean, what else did I have to do during the day? Right. You know, right, just, right. and then I uh, I had a ukulele. And so uh-huh. I, I learned how to play ukulele. I learned how to play bass, which for me was not hard with the left hand, but like, you know, yeah. the, the right hand was. Well, we're going to talk everything. about
0: that. Like, that's another whole other thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's back up a little. Because I wanted to say one last thing about the long run. Is like, yes. the good thing about that too is that Ashley Morgan, girl singer, John Flanagan, guy singer, incredible singers. Yeah. But, Singery singers, yes, and and you know two different types of singery singers in the same thing, you know, uh-huh. like very cool, very great. But it was ni- It's nice to have a break from the singery singer part, right? And just have a a guy, yeah, you know, you know just singing a song, yeah. You know what I mean? Not yeah. to take away from what they do, right? But they have their thing, but yeah. It, 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 I guess that's why it felt to me like, oh, this is a nice, and it's, like, it's I think it's the last track. Yeah, I think so. And I was like, oh, that, that's cool. You know, it's just a nice break from okay there's all that and all this and, and then there's this it was anyway i thought it was yeah like, oh, that was great
1: yeah and it was cool and you know god bless ashley morgan like she oh, like god. she made me she really made me sing i didn't want to sing in that band oh uh, yeah i was like <laughs> you, can, you guys got the vocals covered yeah and ashley is such a vocal arranger at heart that she was like she's like no you sing this you know and then we started Ooh. doing this whole three-part harmony thing and that became like you know Uh, the sound you know for us and now I, I love it you're swimming in your head think maybe you could use a raft repeating things you said some made you cry and some made you laugh but if experience is just a word that some folks say maybe the currents have dragged you baby too far away because we've all seen rain, we've all shed tears We've all felt pain and given in defeat but If you can't break the chains that hold you down I can't be the one
0: to do it now you Know honestly, I've heard things over the years and stuff, but it was fun to have an excuse to just like do the deep dive on oh, that's fault awesome. lines, you know, yeah, and just like check out the recorded stuff, you know, yeah, and uh, it's it's amazing, obviously, a lot of work and and just awesome, yeah, anyway. Thank you. Not that my opinion matters, <laughs> <laughs> it does in this podcast world, um, I mean, in
1: LA, opinions. I, there's certain opinions that, that you get like you get a lot of like uh general opinions about things but yeah. not often do people tell you to your face exactly how they feel oh, about yeah. your work you know right. what i mean
0: yeah. yes absolutely it's great so how's that oh, feel yeah, it's so
1: good <laughs> i i love it personally i can take it I've, yeah you know, yeah i've heard some horrible things about myself over the years so <laughs> <laughs> I welcome yeah. you know it's just like I come from Midwest yeah you know, where people are like honest and they don't you know they don't they don't pull any punches they're just speaking their mind yeah
0: you know. yeah I originally come from New York so it's oh, like okay you know and then I grew up in Denver in the uh, west not really the midwest but right um, and then so I, I kind of run into the same thing a lot it's it's not a it's not an honest town no. Or you have to learn the language, I think, is what it is, really.
1: I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. And I the, know that, yeah, for me, I did. And I know yeah. I've known a lot of East Coast people throughout the years that are just like a bunch of phonies and like, yeah. you know, they just, they can't like, they can't get with it. And I think that's what it is. It's just learning a language. Yeah. You know, like yeah. so
0: many things in life. Yeah. No one will... They'll either just not call you back or, you know, you get the, uh, we're going to go in a different direction. Yes. No one will ever do like, dude, you really got to work on your shit. Yeah. Right. (laughs) right. (laughs) No, is that like, um, okay. Yeah. We're going to go over here, you know, but, um, good luck. Totally. Nice to meet you. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I can see, I can definitely see merits for like both, both things. You know, I think I, I get it. There's a lot of people in LA. They're like, I don't want to crush this guy's dream. He's on his own path. You know, I'm just yeah. going to say, you know, Hey, we found something different, you right? Know? Like, yeah. What good is it going to do if I tell him exactly what I think? Yeah. You know,
0: but, it, but it might sort of, like you said, if you don't, it, there's that, it might prolong your journey a little bit, you know, it, like could, it yeah. might be better if someone just said, dude, you're not ready. Yep. Like work harder. Yep. You know?
1: Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, that's the other side of it. Yeah. So it's I like totally it puts agree.
0: the onus on you. I mean, I think really that's the other thing it stems from is like there's a billion guitar players here and they're all pretty great. So yeah. there's not any incentive to develop anybody. So you know, like yeah. I, it, in my opinion, might cost money or something. You know what I mean? Right. Like people they're, they get paid for their opinions or whatever. Like they'll just move on to the next thing because it's there. Yeah. And y- you've got to figure out, you've got to be the honest person with yourself. Yeah. Which is really hard. Yep. For some people. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: But. Especially when you're like trying to find answers to questions you didn't even know mattered yeah, exactly
0: <laughs> right yeah. deep thought of the day <laughs> yeah
1: oh, this is awesome
0: well since we brought it up uh you're from indiana yes is that what i remember yeah, yeah. indiana and that's cool so what brought you out to la uh
1: getting away from the midwest really like <laughs> i i don't know how far back i should go with the story but like i went to uh i did all my schooling in indiana including college mm-hmm. which was You know, when I was 18 years old, um, I was playing in bands. Surprise, surprise. And uh, I was like, I told my parents, like, hey, me and my friends, like, we got this band. Like, we're totally going to make it. You know, we're probably going to go to Chicago or something. And they're like, that's great. You can support yourself. You know, we're, you know, we're, that's great. That's cool. You can do that. If you want to stay here, if you want us to help, you know, pay for whatever you're doing, just go to college and, uh or you know you can just go live on your own, and I was like, I'll go to college. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: so uh, we looked around for uh, looked looked around for different schools, and I studied psychology naturally. Like when I looked into Got schools it. for for music, it was like you know classical programs, jazz programs, and I was like, like no, no thanks, that's not me at all. Like I'm a rock and roll guy, <laughs> I'm a natural, um, and so. So I, I did that and I ended up really loving psychology, you know, cause it was like, it was that thing. It was like, what are you going to study? And I'm like, I don't know, psychology. Just like it came, right. that desire came from somewhere, you know, right. and I'm glad it just kind of trusted my gut. And I was like, you know, the first two years of college when I was doing general ed, I was like. I was making anywhere from like A's to D's, like it was just all over the place. And then mm-hmm. when I started taking psychology classes, I was so driven, and I found like a, a part of myself that I think I use in in music every day now. And that's just the this like driven spirit. And I was like straight A's across the board. I set the curve on like ninety percent of the tests I was taking in these classes. Wow! And just really found my niche and found how to learn and found my love of learning. Gotcha. Um, and then so. And like the last, I think the last two, no, maybe the last year and a half of college, I was like, I want to get a business minor, you know, and have some sort of business background. So I started studying some business classes or doing some business classes. And then right out of college, uh, H&R Block was offering this like tax prep course for like 10 weeks. And my dad was like, hey, why don't we do this together? And I was like, (laughs) okay. You know, so we did that because at that point in time, I was kind of like, I want to explore my business side. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we took this this tax prep class and then I worked at H&R Block for a tax season, which is just a frenzy of like- Oh my God. Insanity. Ugh. <laughs>
0: it was just wow.
1: so, I, I can't believe that people let me do their taxes. So thankfully, it was like, <laughs> it's mostly like you're sitting there with a computer program just- <laughs> you know, inputting the thing and all they care about is that they're getting money today, you know, so right. Can, right. Right. Go buy beer, or diapers <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. Right. Also during college the last couple of years, I was, um, like I said, playing in a couple of bands and doing like frat parties and stuff like that. And so I was like sending out inquiries to, uh, you know, fraternities and bars and stuff like that and trying to just keep the, that business going, um, and to, you know, just continue to play and do that and was not getting a whole lot of, um, i guess response or like business you know there was some stuff here or there but like not, nothing huge nothing to say like this is where you should you know put all your chips
0: right, um, right right right
1: but one of the bands uh that i was working with uh this band called table scraps um the singer mike and the bass player brian ended up wanting to move to california uh with me God, so yeah. that all evolved as like Mike was, uh, he was kind of the, the couch surfing, like hippie guy. And so I'm like, I'm going to ask Mike if he wants to move somewhere, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'd been reading up, I was a worldly guy. And I decided that the place to be was Phoenix, Arizona. (laughs) And so I was like, Hey Mike, I got a proposition. You want to go to Phoenix, Arizona, somewhere hip and cool with like cactuses and sand. And, uh, so he's like, he's like, yeah, that sounds great. And then um, he calls me back a couple days later. He's like, so I talked to Brian, our bass player, and he wants to move too. But he says, LA, not Phoenix. And I was like, LA, Los Angeles, California? And he's like, yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> and two weeks later, we were in my SUV and we we were driving across the country. I'd never even been to you wow. know, California. That's cool. So we had I had a family friend that worked at Capitol Records. Um, and so he would like give me some advice. It all just kind of like worked out and fell into place. And that's, that's how I ended up in California. Was that the wow, original that, question? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's a great
0: story. Actually. I love it. Just like, I'm getting in my car and going. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a ballsy move.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, at that age you got not much to lose. Yeah. And like, totally. this was, I mean, I can't imagine doing that now. Um, I mean, I was like, I was 22 years old and Ooh. I already had a college degree. Right. I mean, I don't
0: know that people still do it that way. Yeah, I mean, I think just judging from people I talk to, although I don't talk to a lot of young people, but right. I do run into them. I think that's still like coming out of Berkeley. Actually, the people that I talk to or the people I interact with kind of do have college degrees. I feel like my next question would be so you're like a self-taught guitar player.
1: Um, yeah. Like, I mean, it's, I think
0: that to I feel like self-taught's a
1: loaded like label, but yeah, yeah I mean, not formally well, taught. Right. <laughs> well,
0: Okay, well, explain that. What do you mean?
1: Okay, so I play viol. I have some family members that are like they play like brass or um, yeah, I think it was just maybe brass instruments. And my my dad's parents both both played uh, keyboards. Um, and my grandfather, my dad's dad, was a uh, like a band director. And before that, he was kind of traveling with a band, but really like. Oh, yeah. I think he had some bad experiences and he was like, he swore off like doing like live music and that's when he became like a, a band director. And so it was somewhere in my lineage to do that sort of thing. My dad played coronet in college and was like all state coronet player and his brother was too. Um, But after college, like my dad was like an accountant uh, worked at banks all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. So he was Mm -hmm. like, wow, he was just total like business guy. Um, And even now, like he helps me with all my, my stuff, right. my my taxes and all that. So it really comes Ooh. in handy. Um wow, you don't
0: still use HR Block. I don't use h&r Block. <laughs> Not that there's <laughs> They're anything one of our sponsors. Wrong with I just was gonna say no, no.
1: <laughs> okay. So when I was eleven years old, I had MTV on and I saw a poison video. I think maybe it was like I want action or <laughs> nice. no, talk dirty to me. Nice. And I was like, oh my God. It's like the heavens opened up and I was like, This is my <laughs> destiny. You know, and this is, uh, this is coming off the tails of me, like completely, like giving up my dream of being the next Larry Bird, because (laughs) Uh, I don't know, I don't know how much you know about Indiana and basketball, but it's like every driveway, there's a basketball hoop, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's religion there. Um, Uh, So I totally was like sucked into that. And I was like, I thought I was going to be a basketball guy, you know, and uh, then it became very clear when like (laughs) tryouts happened that like, this was not my thing. (laughs) So anyways, I saw the Poison video and I was like, this is what I want to do. And my parents are like, okay. (laughs) Uh, And my dad happened to have an acoustic guitar that I don't think he ever learned to play, but he had. And so they're like, okay, here, you can have this and we'll sign you up for lessons at the local music shop. So I was taking lessons and I'd like, you know, take in my tapes i I remember like in the first couple weeks i was like yeah i want to learn like dude looks like a lady by aerosmith and like talk dirty to me and you know all this like glam rock stuff and i'm sitting here with this like piece of crap acoustic guitar you know and they're like oh okay let's let's work on some fundamental stuff you know i was like this is lame and a couple (laughs) weeks into it i was like i'm done i told my mom i was like that's it like i don't want to do this like this is not what I thought music was. right? And um, so she's like, well, just stick with it. And they, they kind of said, if you, if you play, if you do this for like six months, we'll get you an electric guitar for Christmas. Um, And the next lesson I went in and it was like, I think it must've been like a decent enough lesson to where I was like, all right, I'll stick with it. So I started playing with, you know, all these different people from school. And I ended up teaching lessons at the local music shop, which I was like, probably the worst teacher ever. Like I, cause I, again, like I didn't really have, I had like a Mel Bay book, like, right, you know, right. volume one. Ooh. And that was like, <laughs> and I didn't even get through that. Right, you know, right. I just kind of like did enough to like figure out what I needed to do at the time. And then we had, you know, guitar for the practicing musician and guitar world. And it was a very, like when I was coming up, like that was really like a a golden age for like, you know, shredders and stuff like that. So there's like all these hot videos and like, you know, all that (laughs) stuff and like shrapnel records, you know. And so I'm, I'm, you know, learning as much as I can about all this shredding stuff, you know. So I think that definitely helped with like, with my chops. Yeah. You know, but well. like, I mean, I'm not a, I, I don't consider myself a shredder by any means, but I think like I would have been a lot worse had I not gone through that phase. Yeah. Um, so that was part of it. Little, you know, just little bits and pieces of stuff here and there. And then finally, after I moved to California, uh, I went to MI for, they had, so they had this one year performance guitar performance, um, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I tested out a quarters one and two. And I, I went through quarter three. And I don't know if you've ever been in at MI.
0: No, I've walked through.
1: It's kind of like you've got classrooms, but it's kind of like a guitar center, but with classrooms. Like there's just people like wanking like everywhere, just, rah, rah, just random noises, you know, and it's just... You can't really like concentrate and buckle down, you know, Uh, they like, they give you your curriculums and then they have like these extra little classes and then you go and walk in and, you know, here's Scott Henderson, like, yeah, and here's this uh, diminished triad you know, and you're just like, (laughs) wow, like that's crazy, you know, and I just like took in nothing, but like I did learn from like my classes, like Dave Hill, do you know that guy?
0: Oh yeah. 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 I used to play with him a lot with Greg Krukus. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Dave was my, uh, the class was called like single string theory or something like that. I forget. sounds, it's a weird sounding name, but like, Mm -hmm. it's just basically like a basic guitar class. And I learned a lot from his class and that guy, he was so cool. Like I really love that guy. And like Al Bonham. um, Okay. He was like the country guy. I remember he was like a really cool player um, and teacher so anyway, I picked up some stuff there and really like started to figure out how the theory applied to guitar. And um, not long after that, I really started getting into a lot of cover band stuff. My musical trajectory has been insane. Like I don't know how. <laughs> Like at first, I don't, I don't know if everyone's like this, but like, I didn't know that like Sidemen really even existed,
0: uh. you know,
1: I didn't, th- that was never my thought. I was like, I'm going to be CeCe DeVille or <laughs> Richie Sambora, right? you know, and right. I'm going to be, I, I never, you're, I didn't want to be the John be Bon ban, Jovi band guy. Yeah. Yeah. But I wanted to specifically be the guitar player that sang background vocals Gotcha. Like and the, the lead guitar. Um. Mm. But I didn't want to be like the front man. Um, and I didn't want to be just a completely background guy. Right. So um, <laughs> I came out with that intention and I ended up like making some friends in California and started playing with their band, like just right off the bat. Like we were on, we were billed, my band uh, was built at this illustrious establishment known as the Coconut Teaser. Oh yeah. In Hollywood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we had a Not prime, anymore, but, yeah, but, but. we had a prime slot. I believe it was, uh, midnight on a Tuesday night. <laughs> and, uh, there were these guys. Oh, that's the greatest spot. That's oh, the spot where like
0: Motley Crue was. Yeah, the... <laughs> that's the thing.
1: No one expects it, but it's really, that's where it's at. Um, so we were just happy to have a gig and, oh my God, we have a gig in Los Angeles, California. It's crazy. Hollywood, in fact. Um, and these, so these other guys were, playing early on in the night like probably like i don't know they had like the eight thirty slot or 9 p.m so there was actually people there watching them right and so right. i'm going around i had been to kinko's and i made all these flyers like hey stick around for our band table scraps and so <laughs> i was like going around to tables and like passing them out you know i was like hey and i'd just be like and again this is one of those things where like i was like kicking aside my uh my uh my shyness i was just kind of like i gotta do this you know right. i just read this book on like you know, how to like make it in the music industry. I was like, I gotta be like ballsy, you know? Yeah. So I was like, stick around for our band. We're going to be on at 12 o'clock. And they're like, 12 o'clock? I like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> see you then. And uh so anyway, this band wow. was up and they're playing and they've got these great harmonies and like great songs. And I was like, these guys are amazing. Um. And so they got off stage and I immediately ran up to the guitar player and I was like, dude, I love the way you use that minor seven chord in this song, blah, 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 you know, just total like guitar shop talk you know but like i was genuinely like wow i was like i I was enamored with these guys right you know and uh long story short they their band and their friends stuck around and watched our show and then they're like you know we have a show at molly malone's on friday and this is the front room of molly malone's before they do like the remodel and all that right um and so we went to their show and then we all hung out afterwards and we became good friends and i started playing with them and um I forget where that was leading. I think it was just basically that I was doing, I was all about original music. You know, I wasn't thinking about doing cover stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a few years later and definitely after MI, it was like, it was like if I would get like a, a 40 song set list and I knew like 10 of the songs, it wasn't like, Oh my God, this is like insurmountable. It was like, Oh, it's just a matter of like, you know, Placing the, the knowledge that I know onto this stuff, right, you know? Right, right. So I think that, I don't know, the MI thing, the the teachings from MI really like allowed me to do that stuff. Like the caged, the, the
0: holy cage system. Right, right, right.
1: right. Um, and that changed my life. And then from the people I met through those cover bands just led to... To more and more things. That's I mean, cool. <laughs> like the mad tea party thing. Well, before it, that, yeah, I met true.
0: you. The first time I ever met you, we were doing a, I was doing a gig. I did it for 13 years at the House of Blues. Oh yeah, that's right. The morning. Yeah, the History of the a, Blues. Yeah, History of the Blues show that would, they would bring in. It was like a field trip for kids. So they would bring in kids from school yep. um, and we'd do an hour long show about the History of the Blues. Yes. You know, nice and edited for for children yeah (laughs) (laughs) what's a what's a hoochie coochie man no and we you know a lot of (laughs) um and uh you would sub i think for matt or did you sub for gary Gary. okay yeah Because matt baldoni is the guy that got me on i don't know if you ever knew him yes i did yeah and then he moved to vegas and gary took over gary was subbing for and gary melvin a great friend played in a lot of my bands and stuff yes Um, and then you would suffer him. Yep. So I just remember this nice guy coming in, and guitar playing was fine. The gig wasn't that you know you got to play a little Hendrix like the hardest, to right? Get, right. You know, and it's it's yeah. just a you know it's like a guy and a girl who talk, and then we play music in in the middle. It's not you know it's not a very hard gig, right? But I but then I remember because I have a good friend Rudy who also was the T guy, and he he's another episode. <laughs> um, but um, so I was. I was familiar with the Mad T thing cause he w- he was getting it. And then I feel like I remember you mentioning an audition or whatever. And I was like, Oh, oh that's yeah. great. You know, cool. You know? Yeah. So how did you get to, so Gary, yeah. How did you get to know Gary and and get into that gig?
1: Okay. So, uh, yeah, I met Gary through, uh, Dave, you know, Dave Bernal, uh, no. harmonica player. Okay. Oh no. So he's got a band called the just Dave band. I think that's still what they're called. Um, and so, gary played in that band and i met dave through his roommate anthony and actually dave and anthony both uh they lived at the same apartment complex as me and um anthony i think was friends with another person in my building that i was friends with and uh so we got introduced and so anthony was a singer songwriter guy so i was playing with anthony and then eventually at some point like you know, Dave asked me if I could do a gig with them or whatever to like fill in, and so that's how I ended up meeting Gary, and I met Matt Matt Baldoni that way too. And actually, um, Anthony and I had written a song. <laughs> what was it? Uh, the space inside my heart. And so we wanted to wanted it to be like a, a kind of like a, a Spanish Latin kind of feel. And um, Dave was like, "Oh, you should meet uh, our friend Matt." Um, like maybe he could give you guys some pointers on it or whatever. And so Matt came over and he like, you know, we played the song for him and then he played it, of course, like a hundred times better than I could play it. Like the like <laughs> he's a, he's a wizard. Yeah, he's um, great. so, but he gave me, he gave us some good ideas, you know, and then we ended up, you know, recording the song or whatever, but that was the first time I met, I met Matt. Guy. Um, but yeah, so Gary and I worked together a little bit in, in the just Dave band. Um, cause sometimes Gary would fill in on bass for Dave Kilner.
0: Oh, I don't know if you know him. That sounds really familiar. Okay. I might have met him. Because then I remember then later, I got on the Mad Tea Party. It was all canceled, and then they brought the show back. And, right. And I was drunk at a rehearsal one day and, and it overheard an audition. And I was like, yeah, I'll go audition. You know, let's <laughs> do it. You know, and with Rudy and... Uh, matt selby was there too yeah I, I should say hungover i wouldn't show up drunk to a rehearsal <laughs> i'm I'm a professional right right yeah <laughs> but uh so and then you know a week later i auditioned and i got the gig Yeah. and uh and then i just remember the first show i did with you or maybe i just saw a show with you i don't know i, well, was... I think we did it overnight i think i was there for your overnight, overnight. there yeah. We go. yeah yeah which is a fascinating amazing thing so they literally like after the park closes, you go and you do the show and it's just, that's probably the most amazing time to be at Disneyland. Yeah, <laughs> it really like, is. You realize how much of a city this is and like all the people are gone, but people are still now a whole other crew of people come in and, yeah. and clean the place up and do the whole thing. And um, But anyway, yeah. And then I, I see you in this show and I'm just like... Who is this guy? I don't know who this guy is because it's it's a high energy. It was a high energy. It's been canceled again, right? But um, it was a super high energy. We're all in spandex and weird outfits and makeup yeah. and wigs and stuff and jumping off things and doing the splits. And I still haven't got my jump and do the splits thing down yet. But uh, uh, it's uh, it was amazing. Yeah. And so how did that come about?
1: Okay, I had a friend that had a public access TV show. Oh, wow. And so I was on there and uh, I did this scene with this girl um, and we had to like, I don't know how I say this. We had to be really close. And so we we kind (laughs) of bonded and it was never like a thing, like we weren't like, we weren't into each other, at least I wasn't into her, but like, <laughs> you know, we had a mutual admiration of each other. And mm-hmm. so like we were, I think we were on a break or like after the shoot, she's like, do you want to go have a drink? And I was like, yeah, sure. So we went to a bar. I'm talking to her and talking about my my musical trajectory, mm-hmm. you know, like right. how I'm going to be famous. of course, <laughs> <laughs> The humble guy that I am. And someone overhears me and uh, she's she walks up at some point. She's like, hey, I couldn't help but overhear, you know what you're doing, like you're, you're, uh, you know, playing guitar in bands. And like, at this point I, I did have, I was kind of looking to do a bit of an original project. And she's like, I know someone who's basically doing the same things as you. And maybe if you guys met, you guys could help each other out. And I was like, okay. And that's how I met this guy named Mark Latham. So we started working together we were doing shows together and we ended up, we had this huge fan base, not a fan base, but like kind of a friend base. Uh And one of the guys that would show up um, was this guy named Ian and he was a producer. And um, Ian was just super cool guy. And he would just, he would bring me over to his studio and like, we would like record like ideas together and stuff like that. Anyway. And a guy that he worked with was uh, Yogi Lonich. And um, I was like, I was like, that guy's like a legend. Like he had, Yogi had his picture up on Guitar Center in Hollywood. (laughs) Like it's like Slash, Mark Knopfler or something. And then Yogi. And then like these other, Eric Clapton, you know, like this guy's amazing, you know? So I was like, can you introduce me to Yogi? And he's like, he's like, yeah, sure. And so he gave me his number. You know, I think maybe he gave Yogi a heads up that I was going to call him. I, I called Yogi and like, he was like the nicest dude ever. And I was like, can I like take lessons from you or something and he's like yeah and so i started taking lessons with yogi Uh kind of back to like you know more guitar education just coming Mm -hmm. from like different different avenues and then so a few months into it uh yogi calls me he's like hey i have a possible gig for you yogi was the sub for someone else in thomasina's
0: band Mm. thomasina's kind of an orange County legendary rock star yeah. Dis- works at Disney a lot. Yeah. As well. it
1: was a Tomorrowland Terrace
0: staple yeah. Yeah. for so long. And like, and then, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then now we've like, we've done uh, the Knott's Berry farm uh, summer nights the last couple of years, yeah. but she's, she's amazing. And she does yeah. a lot of stuff around Hollywood. Um, but so I filled in with that. And that was one of those things where it was like, I had like two weeks to learn like 40 songs you know, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. You know, so I yeah. did it and did the gig and um, I was like, I don't, I'm, I'll probably never see these people again, you know, but I had like, you know, when I was there, had a good time, everyone I met was super cool, you know, and I was just thankful to have the opportunity. And then, so like, I don't know, six months later or something, I was on a gig, one of these bar band gigs and the, the drummer on the gig, uh, this guy, Walter Turner third, he was like, Hey, there's a uh, there's going to be this new cover band gig at, at Disney. Um, I think you'd be great for it. You know, it's like top forty in rock, and it's like you know right up your alley. And I was like, cool, yeah. Send me the info. And he's like, all right, cool. And so he he sends me this thing, and I'm like, okay, cool. He sent me the info. You know, I'll check it out later. And um, I go and look at it and it's like a link to like an open call audition. And I was like, no, oh, screw this, dude. Like, I'm not a good auditioner. Like, this is like, this is terrible. And I was talking oh, to uh, my friend Nikki about it. And she's like, oh, you have to, you gotta go. And so like, she made sure that like, we went down. I was like, it's early in the morning. It's Orange County. Like, there's, a, I can't do this. And she's like, we're getting a hotel room. So she like, wow. she and I got a hotel room. I didn't sleep the entire night, you know? And like, she's, fast asleep and like just like you know no cares in the world and I was just like but she's she's so cool and she and I play together like we actually just did a gig last night she's the sweetest she's awesome but anyway so she she forced me to go to that audition so the next morning I get up and I do this audition and uh uh, well, i'm in the line there's like 200 people in this line like everyone just like bang, 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 the you know the sound of like plinking guitars unamplified you know mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. it's kind of got yeah. a i don't know a beautiful thing all on its own <laughs> what a cacophony cacophony <laughs> all right, right, um, right, right, right so anyway and they're all doing like most of them are doing sir duke because that was the audition you know there's that and like the the lenny kravitz version of american woman i think they wanted us to like they wanted to know that we could modulate when we go into the guitar solo because there's like this modulation. And so I'm I'm looking up towards the room and like because people are coming in and out every now and then. One of the guys that goes out of the room and grabs like a power strip or something and goes back into the other room. I was like, that looks like Matt Waldrum. And Matt Waldrum was the guy who basically gave me all my materials for the Thomas Hena gig. Got which you. and when I say materials this was like literally like he gave me like six dvds of like live (laughs) it's not like now right right? just like hey i'll send you a link right
0: yeah no i know
1: so i was like i think that was matt Mm -hmm. and then uh you know he goes back in there and i i forget all about it and then i walk into the audition and the backing band is thomasina's band ah yes and they're like todd i was
0: like (laughs) what's up
1: you know, and so it was like I think that gave me a very distinct edge. Right. You know, and sure. then I was super excited, you know, and just I think they were looking for people that were high energy. And I was just like,
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: um and they they love me. And they were like, they're like, we only have one question. I was like, what's that? And they're like, Do you have any brothers? Like, <laughs> we go, want more of you. I was like, wow. wow, thank you. Like I was I was flabbergasted, I was blown away. You know, and then, um, I didn't hear anything for like a, a week and I was like, well, I guess that was just a bunch of smoke, you know, but, you know, then I yeah. ended up getting the call and, Yeah, um, and it was, was kind uh, of me it too. Blast. It was
0: like the call came probably four days later than I thought it was gonna. And I was like, oh, well, I didn't get it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then you're like, ah, oh. they're like, oh, I had already adjusted to not having this gig. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> and I didn't right. know too, at that point, like, I was like. I thought that they were just picking one person. Right. You know? Right. Maybe I would have been a little more hopeful if I would have realized, oh, they're looking to like have like four of every right. Every instrument, you know? Yeah. Which is, you know, put your odds exponentially better. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't work at H&R Block or anything, but I think <laughs> not good at math,
0: but... Uh, and <laughs> um, mm. just in terms of you, you, you brought up kind of being an introvert and, shy and working on that. Yeah. Like this had to be the ultimate exercise in... Oh, yeah. Because it's... For me, like, I was a stand-in-one-place smooth jazz R&B guy, you know, but the, yeah. you just couldn't be that on this show. It right. Was, like, I remember in my audition, I don't remember the director's name. Uh, I don't remember his name. <laughs> but uh, he was like, okay, now we're going to do Sweet Child of Mine again, but pretend like you're the lead singer. Like, pretend it's your band. You oh, know? wow. So i like okay. You know, yeah. and just go up front and do all the things. And, and, uh, that's what it was like yeah. every, every song, every, every set, every show, you know, like yeah. big, huge, which in a goofy outfit would not, it wasn't me either, but right, man, that even to the, you know, now I'm doing this Chicago gig and it's like, it's a big deal. Like it's a, oh, it's yeah. a high energy show. We don't wear makeup and outfits, but right. it, it, um, the skills that I learned in that show, I use every night now, you know? Yeah. Uh, So
1: same, like, yeah, there's so much stuff I learned. And from the people that I, performed with too, but also from uh Robin who maybe that's who he was. <laughs> yeah, that's will right. yeah, yeah. Um yeah, he like just so many like cool fundamental things. Like, you know, if someone's doing something and you're, you know, turn like give them a little bit of focus, but don't turn your back to the audience, you know, just kind of like share the focus or whatever. And just basic things, you know, right, and I think it was like right. it was like find your light, you know, yeah. and like, you know, when it's your moment, step forward and make it your moment. Yeah. The particular squad that I played with every Sunday night was like just go-getters you know like george yeah. Uh, oh yeah george bass player he is a machine and yeah. like he does like he's got every single second choreographed he's like an in sync concert right. in that way it's like right. so i had to keep up with this guy and it's it's so funny it's so weird how like how quickly you can figure out how to work around it and i think that's how i got placed with the people that i got placed with it's because we were like For some reason, we just kind of gelled in the way that we moved. Like if George would move one way, Mm. I would know intuitively to go the other way, to get out of his way, to find my own thing. You know, we just kind of all staggered ourselves like in a way that probably looked like, oh my God, these guys are filling up the whole stage, but they're not just standing there. They're
0: moving, but they're, you know, and it's interesting. And it doesn't seem contrived. Yeah. Because that's the thing about George too. It's choreographed, but it's, it's great. Yeah. You know, like it's, yeah. if you didn't know it, you'd be like, wow. You know, if you didn't. Right. Plus, you know, it's a Disney show. So it's weird. I Maybe it, it isn't, but it's weird that there are so many locals that go see it every day. But it, I'm sure when they were putting together the show, it was like you know, you have a family that's going to come here. They're going to see the show twice and, 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 you know, never see it again or exactly. whatever. You know? but, yeah. so, but George just, he's just, he's so in it. Oh that yeah. You just, it doesn't seem contrived. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And <laughs>
1: Nathan was the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, yeah, I had no choice, but to like, to keep up with those guys, Yeah. you know, and it was, it was great. Cause before then it was like, I barely, like, I, I don't know if I really even had a wireless system, Right. like maybe I had yeah. experimented with it a little bit and I was I would like walk around awkwardly you know and yeah. then now you just you got to dance and you got to run around and like the playing is definitely like secondary you know it's all yeah. about i mean you you better not mess up when you're playing, but right. you better not be thinking about it either. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. it also was, you know, heavily fortified with tracks. So it was, yeah. as long as you didn't mess up, like during a solo or something, right, know, right. You know, I, I did feel that like after a while, I'm like, I care so much less about the music than I do about <laughs> the show. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, which doesn't mean I was screwing up, I guess, but I it was, it was a little more sloppier than I would be on a normal show just yeah. because it wasn't about that. You right. know, it's going to sound fine. Just get out there and work the crowd. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Pretty crazy.
1: So much of a performance. And did performance you enjoy week.
0: working for Disney? I mean, it's interesting yeah. coming not from, well, obviously bar bands and whatever, but like it's a corporate setting. You at this point have been an accountant. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) That's what was odd. Not odd necessarily, but like interesting to me because it made me start thinking about like, well, what if I just got a day job in a corporate thing with a Disney type, you know, this is a fun company. Yeah, right, right, right. And and you're getting paid. It's a union gig. Yeah. It's very strict rules about stuff. And
1: One of my favorite parts is that I could walk in with nothing but like my, you know, take my wallet. Yeah. And that's it. Cause everything yeah. was provided. Like that's right. beautiful. If only w- they would have oh, changed yeah. the strings for me, that would have been
0: good,
1: but, <laughs> um, but I love that aspect and the aspect of like, you know, when you're rehearsing, it's like 4515. It's like, yeah, you got these union breaks because mm-hmm. believe me, like I've been on these things where like people are just like in the zone, they go for like, you know, three hours. Yeah. You're like, uh, yeah. I gotta pee. Like right. I gotta eat. I have needs, I'm a human being. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I loved, I loved doing the, the, the Disney corporate stuff um, in that capacity. You yeah. Know? It was like, and I feel like we got treated differently than a lot of different employees, you know, yeah. as entertainers, you're kind of like first class citizens, I feel like. Yeah. And Disney. we were
0: like the rock people. So, yeah. We were different. We were so itchy. technically you're not even supposed, you're not even allowed to go in if you've got a little stubble. Right, but they'd be like, "Oh, you're in mad tea, okay, whatever well,
1: I did have to <laughs> so like, uh, when I first started, I had like a little bit of highlight in oh. my hair, and so i I went through i forget some part of the onboarding process, and they went to take my photo for the i d and they're like, Oh, we can't take your photo today I'm like." uh why don't you just point and click like it's not hard <laughs> <laughs> you're like i no, here you're here if you have highlights in your hair i'm like uh yeah and they're like, it has to be one color. I'm yeah. like, oh, geez. So I had to go and like, I had to get my hair did and then come <laughs> back to take my ID. So wow. that part was kind of lame. Yeah. You know, I remember hearing a story about Rudy. Like they pulled him out of line because he had like a, yeah. a goatee or something. Right. And they're like, you need to
0: shave right now. And he's like,
1: I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. He like called
0: Matt Selby and was like, no, nah, I'm not doing it, dude. He's like, just tell him you're with mad tea. You know, like, don't freak out, man. We need you. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, I mean, I have tattoos here, so I would have oh, to wear. Oh, right! You have to I would cover have to wear a tattoo. shirt that cover the tattoos so that I could go and then put on two sleeves full of fake tattoos to do the show. Like
1: yep. ridiculous. Okay, that's, yeah. yeah. I remember George. <laughs> I think George had a tattoo on like his hand, and he would always have to wear like a bandaid on his hand.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, you're in the army now. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. I'm a How would you like to hang out and talk about music? Or discuss something you've heard on the podcast? How about learning some new techniques on the bass? Do you have a new song and would like some feedback from an experienced and professional songwriter? You can do all of that and more at golive.ly. I'm offering private bass lessons and songwriting feedback in a private setting over Zoom. Just search for me, Eric Baines, at golive.ly, pick a date and time, and schedule a lesson. It's that easy. I can teach you advanced bass techniques music theory, improvisation, or we can talk about how to prepare for a gig, the best thing to wear to an audition, or the most important things to know about living on a tour bus. If you have a new song that isn't quite working and you need some feedback from someone who's written and co-written hundreds of songs for artists, TV, film, and video games, I can help you with that too. All skill levels are welcome. Search for Eric Baines at golive.ly, G-O-L-I-V-E dot L-Y. And I can't wait to meet you. I'd like to take a second and thank you for listening to the dive bar rockstar podcast. Getting the word out is a vital part of what it takes to keep this show on the road. And the easiest way to help is to subscribe wherever you listen. And if you have an extra minute or two, please leave a review. You can also follow our page on Facebook, which is the dive bar rockstar podcast, or follow me on Instagram at dive bar rockstar. Okay. Enough begging. I hope you're having a great time. And once again, thank you for listening. And you played knott's berry farm and there oh, is kind yeah. of a whole circuit of of um because universal i know some of the musicians played over there too uh-huh and uh a circuit of like amusement park gigs yeah you right know, right that uh pay okay and like can keep you sustained right like, yeah
1: yeah like, there's a there's a lot and i again like i was definitely not aware of that sort of thing until like i i got into it and then i worked up at after right after mad tea closed they were doing auditions for the six flags six flags magic mountain gig up in santa oh, clarita yeah. right and so um a few of us went up into that actually john and ashley and i all i think we ended up auditioning together and like you know, obviously we had all this cohesion they're like uh yeah you're hired you know? yeah so we ended up working there for you know like a summer maybe maybe two summers but like it, di- it didn't have some of the perks that Disney has, yeah, you know? So it was like, it was kind of like, eh, I don't know if, if this is a sustainable thing, you right. know, but it was fun and it helped ease the pain of, you know, yeah. the Disney gig ending. Right. Um, yeah. And then Knott's Berry Farm is totally cool. Yeah. yeah. So many gigs. So yeah. Many gigs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know you work every day. Like it's a pretty amazing work ethic, think, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know.
1: It's, uh, yeah, I think I have, I definitely have a work ethic instilled in me from my dad. Yeah. Because he was always a, he was always a hardworking guy, like never not the slacker type at all. Right. You know, just right. always like, no matter how you feel going into work, you know, yeah. just like, I think that's a
0: generation too. We're probably maybe, close to the same yeah, age. I don't yeah. know if you want to say your age. Yeah. Oh, I'm 22. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> excellent, perfect. But <laughs> well, my dad was kind of the same way. I said for many years, I don't know if I ever said it to him. So he's listening there. But it was like my dad, even after I'm like, 10 years in and pro and pretty successful. If I complain about, you know, having a slow month, you'd be like, well, it's probably time to start thinking about a day job. Now. Oh you know, really? yeah. <laughs> like, what are those? Probably starting to get, got to get a job. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, so maybe that's a generational thing, but it, it's definitely affected me and the way that I've approached this as a business versus, yeah. Just, hey, man, let's just play and get drunk, you know? Yeah. No, I want, this is going to be my life, and I need to make the best of it, both financially and, you know, and I want to be happy. But then sometimes, along the way, those don't always line up. Right. No, No. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Because
0: I think the first, the last time I saw you, we were kind of talking about this was at the uh, Fox and Hounds in Studio City, you were playing there, and... Uh, I walked in, I think it was like a duo thing. Oh yeah, you, probably you with the Matt, drummer. Matt Olson. Yeah, yeah, and I sat in on a couple tunes or whatever. And that was, I don't know, that was probably four years ago. Yeah. I used to play there like every Friday with this a group called the Jaeger Maestros. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And uh, definitely I would call I, I it made me start thinking maybe I should do a show about what exactly a dive bar what what is required to be considered a dive bar. But I would say like if you walk in and it smells like, you know, vomit and beer, <laughs> then it's that's gotta be one of them. And that's definitely just the smell of that place just makes me want to party. I don't know. What, <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I love it. It just makes me want to p- Party. Party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it's hard for me to, it's a dangerous place for me to go because I spent so many nights there just drinking and having a ball. That yeah, like, yeah. like I can't not just, just line up the Jaegers. Let's go. Right. You
1: know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you do that, by the way. I just, <laughs> I've never like, I had, I had a really bad experience with Jaeger one time. Yeah. And like before that, I would never even touch the stuff. But like, I had a friend that was like, yeah, hey, have this, blah, And I, I, <laughs> I don't want to get too graphic, but I almost <laughs> Jimi Hendrix myself. Yeah. Um, oh, so it was, uh, well,
0: what I usually say to that is like, it takes practice. Don't yeah. just jump in, <laughs> you know, you gotta ease yeah. into it. Yeah, you know? It's like work it out. Yeah. You know, cause that's the only thing about, you know, in that period of my life, I can't, I don't know if I could do it anymore. Like, you know, and, yeah. and now like I have a kid and I'm just exhausted all the time. So I just like, you know, now if I am get up to three glasses of wine, then I'm, I'm partying.
1: Wow. You know? <laughs> yeah.
0: But uh, back then, yeah, I remember they eventually put us on a $150 bar tab. And one night we finished it before we even started playing. <laughs> <laughs> like it was, it was crazy. But that but sounds, right. sounds that, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But what I would say at that time too is like you you can't just play drunk. You got to practice drunk. Yes, you know, it yes. Takes a while. There you like go. It's a different thing. <laughs> and then you get to the point where there was songs like um, "Ramble On." Like I couldn't do it too early in the night because if I was sober, I don't even remember how to play it. Like it oh, just, it's just awesome. so in my hands that yes. I just like, I got to be at a certain point of innovation yeah. to yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I overthink it and I mess it all up. State dependent learning. <laughs> <That's my laughs> psychology, baby. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny that you brought that up. I remember that so distinctly about meeting you at the House of Blues and it probably gave you crap about it because the obvious joke is like, oh, that must come in handy with these musicians, but i kind of does like, it sounds like. I think it can.
1: I mean, I don't know how everyone else uses it. I mean, for me, like learning stuff about psychology was mostly about learning about myself and learning that all the weird things, all the weird thoughts that I had, Mm -hmm. like all the doubts and insecurities. The main thing was everyone goes through that, you know? So like that, I think that really helps. And that gives you kind of an edge to realize that, you know, you may think you're totally weird and messed up, but believe me, everyone else is too, you know? And then from there you can kind of just, you know, you see people for a little bit more for who they are, you know, like everyone's right. like got their demons and they got their angels and like, they just, yeah, and everything in between. And you can right. kind of approach them as a human being and not just like be in your head about yourself.
0: Right. Yeah. That's amazing. Cause you can identify certain traits because you have been trained to maybe, yeah you know? well
1: i wouldn't say that i was that deep into it but like i, I mean yes you could yeah. do that but yeah. i was never good at being that type of oh you have narcissistic personality disorder right. you have this and that you have you right, know, right, right 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 like it was just i don't know the dsm three was just a handbook you know and you look in it every now and then but right it's like you just basically like yep yeah, that guy's got issues you know and right. like yeah, yeah. people everyone needs compassion yeah you know
0: yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, you're in the right town. It's a, It seems to be a compassionate place as well. I think well, it is. You know? A
1: bunch of bleeding heart liberals <laughs> exactly around Exactly. <here>. Right. <laughs> but it, yeah. it's a beautiful thing, which is very, you know, kind of different from where I came from. But I I, yeah. I feel like I did come from a, you know, a town where people were compassionate, but just in a different, different kind of way. Right. You know, but right. I mean, you find your people, you know, you yeah. resonate with certain people and you right. find these people. And I feel like I've been so so lucky to meet the people that i have over the years and like the advice that i've been given um you know like like gently and gracefully you know somewhere that fine line between the east coast like kind of telling you like it is and like the california like not telling you anything (laughs) (laughs) Right? you know i've been able to find some people that really have i feel like have kind of gently led me into you know greener pastures over the years yeah so which is hard i mean you, you know midwest kid coming from out there, just out to the, the great big, big city. You yeah. Know? It's just,
0: I don't know. It's yeah. crazy. It's crazy for sure. I feel the same kind of way, really. I was this like bright eyed guy from Denver, you know, and just everything's so cool. And you have to, yeah. that's the thing about the shyness that you you brought up too. It's like, you, you have to get out there. You have to put yourself in front of people. You have to talk yeah. to people. You have to, you know, it would be, it's so, and it's not fun for me. Like, I, right. you know, and when I first got here and I've said it on this, show a million times, but like I had a demo, which is another episode. You can go listen to it. Um, and I was just like three clubs, four clubs a night, just going out every night and just handing it to everybody. And, And sometimes you're just like, Oh, like vacuum cleaner salesman. And yes, but it's like, if I, you just, I would just be like, just show up. Don't, you don't even have to talk to anybody. Just pee in the room, you know, because yeah. sometimes stuff will happen and people talk to you or like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's, it's a struggle if, you, if, you, if you're not naturally that way. Um, well, um, I wanted to talk about the members only Yacht Club yes. <laughs> record. Yes. Because uh, I checked that out too. So, so cool. It's so fun. During oh, the pandemic, the first thing I did was, uh, I, I don't know you know Taxi. Have you heard of Taxi? Oh yeah. Yeah. So there was a, a, a listing for Yacht Rock. So I wrote, I wrote a bunch of Yacht Rock tunes. No way. You know, and I oh uh, just, uh, you know, sent them off to, to a, a guy and he, bought them essentially. So Dude, that's awesome. I, I wouldn't be releasing it cause he's got all the publishing, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> but wow. it's fun stuff. And that, yeah. you know, that record sounds just so perfectly, you know, yeah, aimed you. And, and, and it landed exactly where you were aiming, I think. Uh, what, that's great. I mean? So awesome. did you write that stuff?
1: Yeah. 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 So, uh, we had, um, w- let's see, we had a gig booked, in you know early 2020 with our our yacht rock band so this is a band these guys in this band like we do all kinds of stuff we started as an 80s band and then we did like a corporate suits and ties gig and And you're doing covers yeah gotcha um and so when uh when the lockdown happened you know we were like all right so we got we got two weeks you know, where we can like regroup here. And, uh, you know, this, this gig coming up in a month, it it, it might get postponed like by a week or two. I don't know. Like, let's just talk about it. So we ended up getting on a zoom meeting. And so I think it was like at the near the tail end of the meeting. I like, I was kind of getting bored. (laughs) I was like, picked up my guitar. I'm like, fumbling around. And I like, I was playing this little idea. And then I thought, thought back to how I was like learning piano and I had kind of stumbled on some stuff that kind of sounded like yacht Rocky, like, but not intentionally, like just kind of mm. like me playing the wrong, wrong chords. Cause I'm just, <laughs> I'm just learning, you That's know? It's called
0: polychords. Yes, exactly. Polychords.
1: <laughs> um, and so I was, I remember coming up with the idea and then I was just kind of thinking, I was like, do you, does anyone want to like work on some songs together? You know, in the meantime, you know, for the next couple of weeks while, you know, while the world sorts itself out. And then, you know, in April we'll be, we'll be back and jamming, you know, <laughs> be safe and sound. Just yeah. like they said on TV. Right. <laughs> um, so uh the singer, Alistair, was like, Yeah, yeah, like send me what you got. And so uh I had this like little keyboard thing, uh, which ended up being called Sarah's back in town. So I I wrote this little keyboard uh part and I sent it over to him and like uh, definitely like within like a day he sent me back the thing with like lyrics and everything i was like okay like this is cool and so that's i built so it cool. out more and we ended up doing a whole song and like i was just kind of exploring different things about mm. things that t- people do in in music and i think like right, there's right. like a couple of modulations in there and yeah. then um, and by
0: the way sarah like the most yacht rock name you know oh like yeah such yeah. a name out of the t- you know oh, yeah. you know sarah smile and, well that's uh, the, sarah by um
1: uh, oh, you know, Jefferson, Jefferson, Jefferson Starship, starship, airplane, starship at that point. <laughs> airplane, Private Jet, whatever it is. <laughs> um, yeah, Alistair's thing with that first song, he's like, what if we do? Because we had a Hall & Oates band. And so we've done gotcha. that a couple of times too, mm-hmm. which is, if you look at the pictures, they're pretty hilarious. <laughs> and it's funny because Alistair and I, I think i am I might be a little bit taller than him. And Oates is definitely not taller <laughs> right, than, right. Uh, than Hall. <laughs> and so in the pictures, we had to like arrange ourselves like in such a way. And I would kind of like spread my legs. So like I'm shorter. right? And, but the picture, the pictures are hilarious. Uh, if anyone wants to <laughs> look at those and make fun of I'll me I'll post like a this. link. Oh my God, please. <laughs> um, so anyway, his idea was like, oh, hey, maybe we make this like a, a Hall and Oates style like uh project you know Mm -hmm. and this song sarah's back in town would be like a a response to uh sarah smile right right like okay like i was kind of like okay yeah um and so but it just as i i think the greatest things do it just kind of took on a life of its own right and then so before you know it like i was sending him musical ideas and he would send me like you know uh, uh you know vocal lines like the the verse and the chorus like, it within a day, like, every time, like, just, like, boom, boom, boom. Like, he, that guy's got a work ethic, too. Like, I mean...
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. And that's um, Alistair... Alistair Tober Yeah, and he, like, owns the agency. Yes, yeah, he's called me several times, and, oh, and yeah. it just never has worked out. And, yeah. and now he moved to Vegas. I heard. Right, uh, Nashville, or, Nashville. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow, got yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Super nice guy on the phone. Uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, that's and, and he's the singing that stuff. Oh yeah, he's yeah. He's I mean, the like, on vocals that. are Im- impressive. Right. Yeah, <laughs> the vocals are killer.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a yeah. He's an awesome talented guy. Yeah, that's um, and Ryan Brown plays drums. Oh know wow, that?
0: yeah, from Denver. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then he was sending me musical ideas, so I have some hilarious demos of like stuff that he would record on his like Casio sounding keyboard and like oh, just that's cool. you know, and I'd be like, I was like, all right, I pull you know, pull up my uh, my Logic drummer mm-hmm. and like uh, some other plugins I had, and just kind of build out these these songs. And so the two of us, like, within I don't know, probably within like two and a half months or something, we had ten songs, um, like all fully built out. And so then we decided to have our actual players do everything. Like Adam Bravo played keyboards. Mad um, T-Guy. Mad Mm T-Guy. And Ryan Brown recorded the drums. And then Mike Hill played the bass. Mad T-Guy. Mad T-Guy. And also
0: another episode of this podcast. Ah,
1: (laughs) And um, uh, Jenny Kidd sang vocals on a song too, on uh, a song called Let Me Down. Um, But yeah, and it was just amazing. Like it's such an amazing process. Like, and it had been so long since I actually like, You know, recorded and wrote original music, you know, and I just for me, the whole thing was just like, no matter what it becomes, just don't say no, just like keep going with it, you know, just like kind of a yes and process. You know, and Alistair was the same way with it. And I think that's the only way we did it. It's like, I feel like if you just if you keep going with that philosophy, you'd be like I don't really, for me, I don't find no's. I find like just better yeses, mm. you know, and then just that becomes the the thing. And at the end of the day, it's like, you just put a button on it and you're like, okay, that's that's the end of that one, you know, let's right. move on. Right. You know, so then now when we go back to play the songs live, it's like, oh, I got to learn this. <laughs> yeah,
0: Because
1: <laughs> it was all, you know, just spur of the moment, kind of like, you know, I'd go running or something and I'd have an idea and I'd go back into my room and like lay down this this thing, you know, yeah. and it was cool that we had the time yeah. to do that. And he hooked up with this guy um, in Nashville named Jim Fraser, who works with, uh, works with Messina mm-hmm. from Longins and Messina. Oh, wow. uh, and he works with a lot of other people too, like mm-hmm. super talented guy, like guitar player, keyboard guy, um, and producer, obviously. And so that's where Alistair was recording his vocals. Oh, wow. And um, the guy was like, Hey, like, do you need a mixing engineer? And, Alistair was like, no, I think we got somebody who can do it. And uh, he's like, well, let me take a crack at it. And so he did it and he sent it to us. And we're all like, yeah, that's the guy. <laughs> he gets it. Like he like, right. he just had a, a thing about it. And he was like, it was so great. Cause if there was anything musical he knew, like there's a lot of recording engineers, I think, out there that like maybe wouldn't necessarily know. You know, and it's like he would be like, oh, like the the sharp five on this, like is it it just sounds it's just rubbing with the the vocal and like you know like right, he can like get nerdy about stuff,
0: right, but yeah right, he right. still
1: has a big picture uh vantage point too, right, know, so he was awesome, so wow. yeah,
0: Jim fraser that's amazing, well, it sounds super great, thank and, you uh you know again, like right up I mean, it it landed you know it, it's oh, a it's a awesome. rock record, you know, well, that's what a lot and of people so
1: that we've played it for they they're like it sounds like that era, but like. And not like you're pandering to the era not like you're it's not cheesy at all it's right. like it's just like well, they're it's good songs. Cool. it's honest you yeah. know right. and it was just yeah i don't know it's amazing that it happened that way and it was all from like i don't know like just letting go not being too yeah. intentional about it just like this sounds cool what do you think you know here's this that's cool. Uh, it's beautiful process. So beautiful. It's so beautiful, man. I'm not sure. at the moon uh-huh. you remember that place yeah oh, universal yeah. city walk yeah so i remember at, at least one particular time i went there and this is um well there's a little intersection of a couple of different things that happened there so mm-hmm. I, I definitely remember going there on a saturday night one time and seeing the band and they would have like so Howl at the moon dueling pianos bar yeah at universal city walk mainly two piano people who they would switch out you know people would take breaks and the cool thing too was that, like, if someone would request a song that that uh, that they didn't already know, someone would go back in the back hallway and learn that song, and they would come back and they would do the song. Gotcha. Like amazing stuff. And then the band would follow along. You know, they're like, "Okay, here we go." I'm like, "This is the cool." Like, I mean, at the time, I don't know how it would go off now. But at the time, like it was like the coolest thing ever, especially to me. I was like, "This is a dream gig. Like this is amazing. I would love to do this." Wow. Uh, And then one of the times when I was there, I saw CC DeVille, which no, yeah, which also that is not the first time I've run into CC DeVille. (laughs) Wow. I remember this is my idol, Mm -hmm. right? This is Mm -hmm. the guy that like this is why I started playing guitar, right? Um, And outside of like Huey Lewis and the News, like Poison was like my my band right right um so (laughs) i had run into him at norm's guitars like probably six months after moving to la Mm -hmm. and like i just bright-eyed guy you know just like i i want to do i can do anything like i was like is that cc deville over there like yeah and i'm like can i talk to him and they're like uh sure you know it's just like this employee at norm's he's like i don't know can you (laughs) you know so i walk up to him and i'm like you're cc deville and he's like yes and i'm like Uh has anyone ever told you that you're the reason why I started playing guitar. And he's like, no one has ever told me that I'm the reason why you started playing guitar. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, and it just went over my head, but I was like, oh, it's so good to meet you, sir. And I was like, can I jam with you? I mean, who would ask? I would never ask someone that now, wow. you know, but I think he saw that, like I had no agenda. Like I was you right, know, just right. enamored, just like, this is my hero. Like, yeah. And uh, so we picked up some guitars on the wall. He's like, what do you want to play? And I was like, every rose has its thorn and he's like all right and so i sang and i was like play it cc and he like played a solo i mean like
0: the nerve the nerve of me but it was all
1: honest and just like i i was oh my god it was like the greatest moment of my life so anyway flash forward i see him again at universal studios Mm -hmm. i'd seen him i saw him at the uh i think i saw him at the coconut teaser Mm -hmm. the martini lounge Uh do you remember that place yeah 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 so, mm-hmm. I, I saw him many times and we had given him a keychain of our band. And, like, there was one time I saw him, I was like, CC, do you remember me? I met you in Norwich. He's like, oh, yeah, the keychain. I still got the keychain. I was like, oh my God, CC remembers me. Anyway, so Howl at the Moon. Then, flash yes, forward yes. years later, I have this buddy Gene, who I met through Dave Schultz. Mm-hmm. Gene is a keyboard uh, guy from Miami. And uh, he would go down. He's like, "Hey, they have this uh, this open mic night every Tuesday at uh, Howl at the Moon." He's like, "Do you want to go with me?" I'm like, "Sure, yeah." He's like, "I'm gonna play some songs and stuff because I'm I think I'm gonna audition for the band." I was like, "Cool, man, yeah, let's go." Mm -hmm. So we would go, and they would have guitars on the walls and they had amplifiers there, you know. And one night, like there was no one there playing guitar, and they wanted to do a song I don't even remember what it was, but they're like, it was kind of a guitar heavy song, you know. And there's like, does anyone know? this song. And I was like, I, I do. And so I walked up there, I played this song and then someone else came up and wanted to sing another song. And it was like something that like, not even the keyboard players knew, but it was something stupid. I think it was like No Rain by like Blind Melon or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I know that one. And so I played that one. And then the next one came and I was like, oh, yeah, I know that one. And it was like Slumdog Millionaire. It's like I learned this song. <laughs> I remember I was in the garage like at, at John's house and I learned this song. And then, oh, I was at school when I learned this song. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. And it just like it was just a I don't know. It was a weird, weird happenstance of this thing. Anyway, I ended up getting a call and I ended up being in that band Um, because they needed someone like that weekend to like fill in on like Friday and Saturday. So for a couple of years, I played there and I met Val Chaykin Mm -hmm. uh, there. MT person. Yeah. (laughs) And then this girl, Nikki, that I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, She was a cocktail waitress, working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. like She was like the shot girl, but she's an amazing singer and she would come up and they would feature her and she would sing a couple songs every now and then. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's just so weird how like all these things kind of come together and like, especially, I don't know if it's something in the, the the water or the energy, but like, I feel like stuff like that happens in LA, you know? Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I was going to mention that earlier. I can't remember what specifically we were talking about, but it's like, well, no, it was you being talking, being overheard talking in a bar Yeah, led to lots of gigs, you yeah. know? And yeah. like, that's, you know, the reason you move. To, to you know i say that on this show a lot too because yeah, yeah. Cause like uh there's not a lot of towns where the phone can ring at any moment and change your life oh yeah right right or you can run into somebody on the street and change your life yeah you know, there's kind of three towns you know yeah yeah <laughs> and uh this that's is it. definitely one of them
1: yeah, yeah. um and that's so cool yeah and the thing about that Howl at the moon gig was like that was where i really learned to like use my ears it was like yeah that, yeah. that was the whole gig you know yeah. it was like they, they don't even tell you what song they're playing. They're like, they just yeah. go. And it's like, you, you know, yeah. you know, you either sink or swim. Yeah. Just swim or sink. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. I came up through the bars, you know, like that yeah. was really, in fact, when I moved here, I was going to ask you about this too. Cause, uh, um, when I moved here, I, I had also been doing like weddings and stuff before I got here, but the intensity of it here is so different than Denver. Like, you know, like, uh, yeah, I'm you're sure. up there with, I mean, you've done West coast gigs. Like, you can be on the bandstand with really amazing session dudes and, like, the 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 stress level, the pressure can be amazing at just a stupid wedding. You know? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so when I first moved here, I am like, God, I'd just much rather spend three or four nights at a bar doing four hours than play this one Saturday gig that's going to pay the same. You yeah. know, just because the pressure is less. I love being in the bars and, like... Yeah. And I know how to do that. You know what I yeah. mean? Is that something you prefer as well or is like you I do. still enjoy uh
1: i would say yeah because i don't like wearing dress shoes i think that's <laughs> like the the main thing that i have but like i have a great time playing with wedding bands because usually the players are like the best caliber you know that i've that i've come across like these guys are right. just like killing it um and so it's so cool because, yeah, you'll have like these great session dudes. You're like, I can't believe I'm playing with this
0: guy right now, Yeah,
1: you know? Yeah. Um, and we're yeah. all getting treated like crap by the way. <laughs> uh, I know.
0: It's a humbling experience. <laughs> it, is, it really is. <laughs> so, it,
1: I mean, it says a lot about a person to be able to do... You know, to like go on the road with someone and do a gig where you're treated like a god and then just be treated like, you know, a vendor right? um, the next weekend. But I think you got to have that, you know, because your main love is always, I mean, for me, it's just like this path of like you know, mastery and just, you know, happiness with where I'm at and like with the people that I'm surrounded by yeah. um, and just, you know, flowers and rainbows and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, <laughs> you are a hippie. <laughs> but I think my favorite, I, I really am. <laughs> um, but I think probably my favorite kind of gig to do is like a house party. Oh, like yeah. one where they're like, come in, eat and drink as much as yes. you want. I'm like, yes, I will. Right, and right, like, and right, play. Right. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, we'll play it too. You know, because they're yeah. in your face it's yeah. like it reminds me of like an old frat party where like you're not like you're not on a stage, like you're right there on the same right. level with everybody. And it's it's a metaphor for just the way that it is. Like you're in the party, you're there, you feel like a guest, but also like a rock star at the same yeah. time. You know, it's just a it's yeah. a great feeling and people are expressive. Whereas at the weddings, I think, and rightfully so, like they're a little distracted by other things, oh, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Which is it's fine. And you know, and yeah. some people like some people do get into it there are moments in in wedding band gigs where like you know the crowd is totally lit and everything's going off you know but like there is a lot of that like you know we are
0: wallpaper yeah you know those kind of moments yeah so how many songs do you think you know
1: well you know my ipad tells me that i have like close to 3400 songs in there but i don't i have no
0: idea yeah i don't know because that's the thing about you know the bars and the weddings really although i read most of the time on the weddings now but <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but the vocabulary is pretty yeah pretty intense, i do know that
1: important. i i don't have to look at my my ipad quite as much as i used to and there's a lot of times when i can like you know predict what's going to happen in a song that i've never heard right so like it's a big difference even from like really i started doing weddings in probably around the same time as mad tea because that's when i got hooked up with some uh different Wedding band agencies through through the people that I met there. Right. And I remember, well, and also, I mean, here's like, I I back to uh Yogi. You know, I went to see him play with, I think Randy Cook was on drums. Um and I forget who else was on the gig. But he was like, Hey, come up and play a song. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what to play. He's like, play superstition. I was like, I don't know that one. (laughs) now i look back i'm like well i didn't know superstition like i couldn't just whip that out like what's wrong with me but really like i I just it wasn't my thing like it was like i knew specific songs right and i just i wasn't in that vein and then now it's like yeah like i show up to these gigs and like most of the times i don't i don't need charts like i know all the like the standard fair tunes right and i love that and some people like really hate like oh my god i have to play don't stop believing and they get offended by it right you know and it's just like I don't care right. if people are having a good time to me, it's all about the vibe. I can yeah. be playing the worst song in the world, but if people are loving it, like yeah. that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. You know, let's play yeah. the chicken dance again. I yeah. don't care.
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah. I do have limits, but I'm, I'm basically the same way, <laughs> yeah. especially when you're talking about certain songs that like don't stop believing, which completely overplayed now, like every night, everything, but it's, it's great. Like, it's a great song. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. It's still There's like, a reason. Uh, it still yeah. takes me back to my childhood every time I do it. You oh, know, yeah. and you're just like, oh yeah, man, like yeah. the, you know, or living on a prayer, you know, yep. and uh, uh, anyways. Yeah. yeah. The, I, yeah. If I never had to play like brick house into play that funky music again, (laughs) I do have my limits, you know, but, but, um, but but I will, like you said, if that's what it takes. I know I I used to tell a a story before, you know, then now I've, I played five years with Dwight Yoakam and and I'm kind of. I don't know, I have some country stuff, you know what I mean? Okay. But I hated country for a long time. When I was a kid and I was in Denver and one time we played this bar out in the middle of nowhere and it was like all these cowboys showed up and I was never more... Sounds like the Blues
1: Brothers. (laughs) Exactly. So we played Rawhide
0: (laughs) and they loved it. (laughs) Yeah. And I was never more happy to know a couple of country songs in that moment. Then they they made sense. It was all great, you know what I mean? Uh,
1: Uh, And, you know,
0: I have an appreciation for country music for sure, but... uh, you know, when you're a your kid and you just want to be Toto. Yeah. You know, right, you don't right. want to play country music. Yeah. Or if you want to be in Poison. You yeah, know, you don't of want course. To a, <laughs> yeah. You grow older and you're like, oh, wow, this is, this takes a different type of skill. You know, this is a thing, you know, yeah. this is amazing and great songs and whatever. But Oh yeah. And great anyway. sonic
1: textures. That's the thing that I love. Yeah. Like, especially like what we do in Fault Lines now, it's become, it's kind of morphed into this like, americana thing right so it's it's i just love the sound like there's there's nothing like a telecaster with a capo on like the fifth fret you know with an acoustic guitar in the background it's just i don't know it's just beautiful yeah, absolutely, yeah. man.
0: Well, you know what? You are beautiful. Aww, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I really appreciate you coming and talking yeah. to me. And I've taken up a, a ton of your time, and uh, it's been uh, awesome. But um, it's a, I, I just one last thing. I just do do remember. So I, we did the Matty thing, and then we, there's a, that turned into this band called Hiatus. I yes. think like Danny sort of put all the and you would, guys would do Halloween shows. Uh-huh. And of which I did one, but then there were like three weeks in a row with different cast members. And I went to another one where you were playing and I I think it was like the Metallica tune, um, but I watched you take a solo and I was just like... Oh, you can do that! Like oh, you know, you're awesome. so much more of a well-rounded. And uh, maybe it was just the time that had passed or whatever. But I'm just yeah, saying, yeah. like, you're an underrated guitar player in this town. And thank uh, you. You know, I, um, I'm I can bear witness, and it's a pleasure talking to you. And, and I'm so glad that uh, you're still here and doing good, and you ever and you survived the pandemic. And, and yeah, <laughs> oh my god, we're all here doing, and we we uh, you know we should. Work. Yeah, we should write a song or something. We should write, write yeah. another yacht rock tune.
1: I know, right? <laughs> Combined forces will be the Voltron of yacht rock. Yeah, man, we're taking <laughs> over the world. Or the uh, <laughs> the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers now for this. Oh, story, nice. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, thanks for coming, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Die what a great guy! I must say, he's just a—he's a joy to work with, and, and, and just a force for positivity. You know, it's really—it's really refreshing to work with a guy like that. I especially loved when he said he didn't know that Sidemen even existed, because I remember having that realization as well. You know, earlier in my career, obviously. And I think that's a a key thing to making a living as a musician versus being like an artist or trying to make it, quote unquote, as a band, you know, like getting signed and all that. The Sideman thing, which is mostly what this show is about right now, is more about doing a job, getting paid, and going home. And, uh, you know, as dark as the music business may seem, uh, there's still a lot of this type of work that you can do and make a comfortable living, you know, if you're in the right market. You got to be kind of in a town that has a lot of demand for this work and, and enough so that the pay is good. You know, the, the going market rate for a sideman is, is uh, something you can live with, but it is possible for sure. And I think Todd is a, just a great example of that. So if you're just learning this lesson, you know, like l- let it give you hope that making a living playing music is absolutely possible. The CAGE system is a system for playing notes up and down the guitar fretboard by memorizing fingering positions for the specific chords C, A, G, E, and D because they essentially just keep repeating. Yogi Lanich is the guitar player for, or former guitar player for Buckcherry, The Wallflowers, and Fuel. The DSM-3 is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And it's very hard to say. Jenny Kidd is also a mad tea person and a phenomenal singer. Um, I seem to miss that label as we were going. And I mentioned West Coast Gigs, and uh, we've probably talked about that before, but that's short for West Coast Music, which is a big wedding band agency in LA that uh, a lot of the guests on this podcast have uh, worked for or currently work for. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show and uh, I hope you have a great holiday, whichever one it is that you celebrate, and we'll see you next year. Wow, you've made it to the end. I'm hoping it's because you completely enjoyed yourself and are now filled with knowledge and inspiration to move forward with your dreams. If that is the case and you would like to stay informed of new episodes, live events, and general news, please go to divebarrockstar.com and sign up for the mailing list. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or complaints about anything you hear on the show, please email me at fanmail at divebarrockstar.com, and you may even end up on the show. We at the Divebar Rockstar podcast, with all of our hearts, thank you for listening, and remember, it's all about dreams.